From the nation's capital, this is Use Your Voice with Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America. Here's your host, Penny Nance. Welcome back to Use Your Voice. I'm Penny Nance with Concerned Women for America, and I'm so happy to be joining you from our nation's capital. Today we have a spectacular show. I hope that everyone has a few minutes to join us. This is important information you need to know that impacts your family directly. We're talking about the important issue of religious liberty. Whenever I think about the issue of religious freedom, it always brings me back to Jesus's words in John 15, 18 through 23. Jesus says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. I'd like to first bring in my dear friend who is currently working at the State Department. Her name is Pam Pryor. And Pam is the Senior Advisor in the Undersecretary's Office of Civilian Security, Democracy, and Human Rights and is an expert on what's going on on the issue of religious freedom. Welcome, Pam. Thank you, Penny. And I love the line that in Washington, there's an inverse relationship between importance and length of your title. <laughs> oh, that's not true in your case. Okay, so. well, With a great deal of humility, I accept a very long title. <laughs> well, Pam, you have such a just a great storied history of working with groups like Concerned Women for America and others on just really key issues. And we're just grateful that you have joined the Trump administration in this important capacity. Religious freedom, of course, was a major theme for President Trump during the election. Mm-hmm. How have you seen that issue play out at the State Department? Well, most recently, we hosted the very first ever International Religious Freedom Ministerial. And the word ministerial implies that what we did was invite the other secretaries of state, they're called foreign ministers and different titles in different countries, but invited them from about 100 countries to come in and discuss religious freedom as a foreign policy issue. This is the first time this has ever happened. And in fact, it was so successful that Secretary Pompeo has decided that this should be an annual event as long as he is secretary. So we are are gearing up to be tired every single year. (laughs) Wow. You know, I got to say, we have the dream team, (laughs) don't we? I mean, you know, Secretary Pompeo, I know, is a Christian and a man of faith, and this is an issue that he cares very deeply about, as does the president. So give us a little insight on what happened in this event. You know, it's often in Washington, you get a bunch of people together in the room and they talk and talk and talk. What did we see come out of this? What are the outcomes from this event? You know, probably one of the first things that happened on Tuesday, and we, we did it over three days. So Tuesday and Wednesday, we had all the outside groups We have a term of art. They're called civil society organizations, which Mm -hmm. very auspicious, Penny. That's what CWA is. Meaning they're non Civil society organization. Mm -hmm. Hopefully not an uncivil society organization. But anyway, we brought in the the NGOs, you know, the non-government, the non-profits. 
And on the very first day, a foreign visitor said to me, you have no idea that all over the world today, people are paying attention. And because you drew attention to this issue, many people will be spared the persecution Mm -hmm. that otherwise would be coming their way. Mm -hmm. So that was like a wow for me, Mm -hmm. you know, just because those of us that live and are so privileged to call America our home, we sometimes take for granted our strength and our power. And it was really awesome to hear that. But then it got even better. As the ministers came in and they started giving their statements, we heard person after person say, we are going to start having an ambassador at large like Sam Brownback. Mm -hmm. We are going to have a religious freedom department. Um, We are going to host a religious freedom event in our nation. And we think the more light this issue can get, the more light it'll spread throughout the world. Because we believe that every faith, and this is hard for me being a person of faith to say the next sentence, but every faith, and even people of no faith, Mm -hmm. that it is the freedom of conscience. Just everybody has that inherent freedom. And the one thing that's wonderful, both Secretary Pompeo, Ambassador Brownback, and of course, our Constitution say those rights are given to us. Those are inalienable rights given to us by our Creator. So protecting religious freedom, and our founders were just so superb at this, it is the first part of the First Amendment. So this is a freedom that we all hold dear. And what we love is, as you asked originally, Penny, we're seeing people start to incorporate this into their governments as well. So we're already seeing some action. Then probably the most kind of earth-shattering thing that happened is on Tuesday, Pastor Andrew Brunson's daughter Jacqueline talked. We had about 15 to 17 survivors of religious persecution, and she spoke on behalf of her father, who obviously could not be here because he was being jailed Mm -hmm. in Turkey. Turkey. Mm -hmm. And that next morning, so she spoke at about 11 o'clock at night, Turkey time, and when we woke up the next morning, Turkey announced that her father would be put on house detention. Now, that's not wow, good yes. enough. Right. Well, it's a step it's a great forward out of step, solitary right? confinement, right? Right. Uh-huh. And the dangers. So, and and uh, just recently, um, we just today, we're still working behind the scenes, and it looks like they were going to put some sanctions on some of their government officials to really get Pastor Brunson back. So this ministerial gave lift to that issue as well. Well, that is fantastic. And you mentioned Sam Brownback, the U.S. Ambassador on Religious Freedom. He's a longtime friend of CWA's. In fact, I talked to him at the event. We're going to be meeting with him. But we are, you know, again, working alongside you, Pam. Concerned Women for America members around the country are in prayer and also urging, you know, leadership on this kind of issue. And we're seeing the fruit of that. We're seeing the fact that our nation is taking leadership on the issue of religious freedom. Mm -hmm. And it is, as you said, a first freedom. It's the issue that without it, you're not free. And I agree with you. You know, we certainly believe that Rights of conscience are absolutely inherent, and we cannot dictate to each other, nor do we want to. And so we are just grateful for the work that you're doing. Pam, in the few minutes we have left, how can we pray for you? How can we pray for our nation on this issue? Such a great question, and and such a privilege to be able to answer it on behalf of this nation. I think for favor 
and wisdom. You know, that's the one promise God told us that he would give us. If we ask for wisdom, he'll give us wisdom. And I think really knowing how can we in this country continue to work for religious freedom. And then even in the local churches, because Penny, I know that your organization reaches back to the local church. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to have a Sunday a year when we pray for the persecuted church. But mm-hmm. what else can we do? Are there other things? And by the way, I don't have the answer on this. I'm, I'm thinking about this now. Mm-hmm. And that's a place where I'd like to, God would just really give me a vision for, what can we do with the domestic church in the United States that could help advance religious freedom around the world? And I know that it, it, the cause, the great advocacy group that you all are, and how important your voice is here in Washington, you know, every time you talk about it, that also helps to amplify it. But I'm really thinking about what can we do at the local church level, because I know that other people that sit in the pews or the mosques or the synagogues are concerned about their counterparts mm-hmm. in Syria, in the Middle East, and in China, and Africa, Russia, all these places where we're seeing more religious repression. So that's an area that I would love. And then, of course, just, you know, selfishly, just that I'll just continue to be a light here. Mm-hmm and that God would use me in the in the days. We we know as political appointees we have expiration dates. You know, it's either January 20th of 2021 or, Lord willing, January 20th of 2025. But just that while we're here, we will make the most of the day. Well, Pam, it is just a privilege to work alongside you. And I, you're right. One day in November is not enough for mm-hmm. us to take on the issue of prayer and fasting for the persecuted church. We're called to care for our brothers and sisters right. in Christ around the world. And so I would just call on our listeners to pray for President Trump, Mike Pompeo, Sam Brownback, and Pam Pryor in relation to these issues for wisdom and leadership and just safety and just know that we're there for you, sister. We have your back, and we're going to be linking arms as we go forward. Well, it is always a privilege and just a, a really a, just precious times that I get to spend with you all. So thank you so much, and thanks for having me. And way to go on Use Your Voice. Thank I you. I love that. Yes. Thank you, Pam. We're going to continue to talk thank about the ministerial, and we're going to talk about what's happening in our country. We'll be right back with Dr. Shea Garrison after this break. Hey ladies, you're smart, passionate, and savvy. You care about your family and you care about our nation. That's why you should join Concerned Women for America. I'm Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America, and I pray you will visit ConcernedWomen.org to learn how you can add your voice to the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. That's ConcernedWomen.org. Welcome back to Use Your Voice. This is Penny Nance with Concerned Women for America. And I want to welcome into the conversation Dr. Shay Garrison, CWA Senior Advisor for Foreign Affairs. And Shay, I thought we could talk a little bit about religious persecution around the world. Can you give me just an overview? What is the current state of religious persecution in the world today? Who is the most targeted and what does the persecution look like? Penny, I am so glad that you had me on to talk about this issue today. To answer your question about who is targeted around the world, there is a study done by Notre Dame in Georgetown that says that Christians are most widely targeted around the world. And an example of that is an open door report, which says that 215 million Christians uh, in 2017 experienced high to extreme levels of persecution. 
Examples of this are uh, rapes, violence, imprisonment, um, attacks against their churches, killings, abductions, and um, just other horrific Mm -hmm. things. Well, and we see it, right? We see it in the national news. We just heard Shay from Pam Pryor of the U.S. State Department talking about the ministerial and the importance of the United States leading on the issues of religious freedom. And I know you were there and participating and also hosted some side events for Mm -hmm. CWA. So tell us a little bit about that. What did that look like and what was the important takeaways from those events? Well, we were invited, along with other civil organizations, as Pam referred to, to do side events during this week because there were thousands of people in D.C. at this time that wanted to talk about the issue of religious freedom. There were some fantastic side events, and ours, we actually co-sponsored it with the Heritage Foundation, and ours was different, I believe, than other events because we focused more on how to shape policy, how to shape strategy. We wanted to get our government and other leaders from other governments thinking about international religious freedom as a fundamental human right, which it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One of the things that we brought out in the panel is that we really, in our international community, need to differentiate between actual God-given human rights, which are natural rights to us, and what political groups and identity groups are fighting for as economic and social rights. Mm-hmm. I like to call them goals. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know that they're necessarily rights. In the international community right now, the concept of human rights has become so watered down with these economic and social policy goals that it's hard to really differentiate between fighting for a real human right mm-hmm. and fighting for something such, you know, a social abortion rights, for instance, or an abortion mm-hmm. right or mm-hmm. social welfare entitlement, mm-hmm. whatever yeah. it may be. Ben Bull, formerly from ADF International, now with First Liberty, brought up these other newly manufactured rights, such as the right not to get spanked or the, the right to avoid noise pollution. Mm-hmm. It's, it gets out of hand. It's gotten kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to bring focus to this so that better policy could be made and we could really focus on the right things around the world. Well, I, you know, it's very interesting because, as you know, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, written in 1948, starts out talking about key issues. It talks about some CWA's issues, the right to life and others. Mm -hmm. And you do see this sort of downward spiraling from the left as they've gotten in there and proposed that issues like abortion rights are human rights. And, you know, we say, no, that's not correct. We we believe that we must protect life from conception to natural death. And so we get caught in the weeds on these issues. But there's some things that we can all agree on, correct? There are. And just a little back history on the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. You know, it was signed or ratified, whatever you want to call it, in 1948. And this came after all the horrors of World War II, World War I, and authoritarian governments. And so although natural law and natural rights are put forth in the Universal Declaration, there's also articles that deal really with what are economic and social rights. So they were kind of lumped together in this declaration. And Dr. Aaron Rhodes on our panel wrote a book, actually, and I highly recommend that to everyone, called The Debasement of Human Rights on this issue. 
and talks about how doing that has led to these newly manufactured rights where we don't really differentiate between the two. Give us some examples, Shay, of what that looks like. What happens when natural rights are watered down, new rights are brought in, and what ends up happening to people around the world? Well, we lose the importance of our, our natural rights, our human rights, such mm-hmm. as freedom of conscience, freedom of speech, religious liberty. Ben Bull told us on the panel this story that I think just perfectly exemplifies what I'm talking about. There was a Swedish pastor, Aki Green, who from the pulpit taught on the biblical view of marriage between a man and a woman. And this was within his own church, and nobody within his church uh, took offense at this or tried to bring anything against him on it. But the state took it upon themselves to uh, bring a suit against him, and he was actually prosecuted by the state and convicted and sentenced to 30 days in jail. In fact, the chief prosecutor in the case told Aki Green, why don't you get a new Bible that didn't include these offensive passages. Why not get a politically correct Bible? Mm -hmm. In other words, Pastor Green said, well, you know, there's only one Bible. Right. And that kept being his answer, right? In court, there's only one Bible. There's only one Bible. Well, he was convicted and sentenced to jail, if you can believe that. Mm. But the prosecution appealed this because actually they Mm -hmm. wanted longer jail time for him. Mm -hmm. So the defense also appealed. And that's when they brought in Ben Bull. He was with ADF International at that time. And they went alongside Pastor Green and helped them overturn a conviction at the Supreme Court in Sweden. And, you know, I just think that this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. The religious freedom of Pastor Green was totally trampled on, and it was un- it was said to be because of hate speech. And all Pastor Green was doing was teaching from the Bible. Wow, that and I know you have other similar cases that are happening in Europe and yeah. uh, you know in other countries. You know, we go as CWA, we go from the fact that we want to protect human rights. And we strongly disagree with criminalization of homosexuality around the world mm-hmm. and abuse of homosexuals. Yes. Who could forget that picture of ISIS pushing that that homosexual man off of the roof? I mean, it was horrible. You know, we've seen examples in other countries where they've been imprisoned or beaten. And, you know, we must stand firm against Absolutely. that kind of violence. Absolutely. But what we're seeing in this country when and you're talking about new rights that suddenly you're pitting religious freedom against an identity. Mm-hmm. Identity and, group. You know, what we're seeing, Shay, or, or, that's playing out right now in this country and may impact you. And by the way, in addition to this being a podcast, we're on WFYL in um, Philadelphia, and they are seeing this in their own community. In the mm-hmm. state of Pennsylvania, it is playing out writ large when it comes to foster care and adoption. Hmm. I really believe that this is an issue that's going to continue. We're going to have to work on it now, but it is going to be have long range implications for Christians right now. Christians are becoming, you know, and I don't want to say it too strongly, but it's important to understand we're becoming outcasts in our culture simply by standing firm on principles that have been in place, biblical principles, for the last 2,000 years. Yeah, We and, didn't change. And, you know, Penny, I think that 
This is important because churches really represent the ultimate manifestation of human rights. If you think about it, we have freedom of religion, freedom of speech, of association, assembly, and conscience in our churches. So it almost makes sense that they would be attacked in this Mm -hmm. way. Well, it's really essential that we understand what's at stake here. Yes. You know, we're seeing our schools are being threatened with accreditation under the Obama administration. Even little nuns who take a vow of celibacy and poverty, by the way, were forced to pay for other people's abortions. CWA was just involved in the Cake Baker case in front of the Mm -hmm. Supreme Court in which, uh, you know, the cake artist said, I'll give you I'll sell you anything in my store. I just won't make you a custom cake for your wedding and that was not good enough Mm -hmm. and so we are going to have to continue to fight this and what we're seeing specifically in Pennsylvania and it's very important for the listeners to understand that we had the issue in Philadelphia when um, by the way let me back up and say we are at a crisis in this country on foster care and adoption the numbers of children are growing because of the opioid epidemic that is ravaging communities all over this country. Currently, there's 400,000 children in this country waiting for foster care families. And so naturally, the church needs to step forward more, but we've been very effective in the past. In Philadelphia, because certain charities, namely Catholic Charities and Bethany Christian Services, said we only refer for adoption and foster care for families with a mom and dad who are married. Right. That that was based on the religious principles. They very effectively have been caring for the least of these. And, and we do this because it's what Christ called us to do. But now Philadelphia has said, I'm sorry, you cannot be involved because you will not place with same-sex couples. Let's remember that there are many adoption agencies that will place with same-sex couples. But the fact that we have religious charities who are very narrow in their intention and their ministry is offensive to some. But instead of saying, you know, we don't like that, but we understand that we everybody needs to be all hands on deck to care for these kids. Instead, they're working actively to put them out of business. There's a lawsuit going on right now over the issue in Pennsylvania, and the state of Pennsylvania is considering specifically prohibiting Christian charities to be involved in foster care and in adoption. I can't even suggest how wrongheaded that is and how hurtful that is to children who are waiting for families. So we've got the issue in Pennsylvania. We're seeing it around the country. Other states like Illinois, Hawaii, and others. California. California was happening around the country. Um, But we are really trying to take this on at Concerned Women for America on the national level. There's a piece of legislation called the Child Welfare Provider Inclusion Act. It's H.R. 1881 by Congressman Mike Kelly from Pennsylvania by the way, and S811 by Senator Mike Enzi. And this legislation specifically goes in and prohibits discrimination based on religious views. And that is all. It does not disallow or prohibit same-sex adoption or same-sex foster care, but it does absolutely mean that Christian charities can continue to do what they've been called to do for hundreds of years in this country. Right. And the bigger picture, Penny, is that if this kind of thing continues and is allowed to go on, 
it's, it is really oppressing the human rights of all people, the religious freedom of all people, and ultimately the natural rights of all people. It's like an ideology shift that mm-hmm. has happened. And this is dangerous for everyone, not just conservatives. Well, we've even seen that, right? We've seen other people recognize that are not Christian have recognized that this shift is dangerous. But for our listeners, write this down, H.R. one eight eight one. And S-811, which is the Child Welfare Provider Inclusion Act. This is an important piece of legislation. You need to make sure that your congressman or woman and senators know your support for this issue. For more information, come to ConcernWomen.org, and we'll make sure we have something up for you to, to look at on this piece of legislation. But let me just say thank you to our guests. Thank you to Dr. Shay Garrison. Thank, thank you, you to Pam me. Pryor. This is an important issue, and we all got to stay on top of it. Penny, thank you for having me today to talk about this very important issue. I'm sorry that is all the time we have today, folks. And we, again, come to Concern Women for America for more information and we will be back with you next time on Use Your Voice. Thanks for listening. Use Your Voice is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. For more information, visit ConcernedWomen.org. That's ConcernedWomen.org.